uh, with Hunter here. We're gonna start all the way completely over, and he's gonna he's gonna tell his story again. Um, now should be having our sound should be better. Um, uh, I'm here with Hunter. He's gonna be celebrating a year. He's nice enough to come on. Uh, he's gonna start over. So if you heard anything a while ago, I couldn't even see if anybody was on here, Nick. Um, uh, you want to call up? I can't. I don't know how to do it from my phone, man. But uh, there it is. All right. Hey, buddy, can you hear me? Yeah, I heard you real good. I don't know if Beth did, but on my end, everything sounded good. All right. Old so maybe I see you on here. All right, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Hunter. He's going to start over because of the sound quality and everything we have all ago. I'll delete that other one. And, uh, got anything else to say? Here's Hunter. Hello, my name's Hunter. I'm an addict. Did you hear him good just then, Nick? Yeah. So. My addiction started off very, at a kind of a young age. I was about 15 when I started smoking weed and started dipping and dabbling. But really what got my addiction started was when I was 17, I got hit by a drunk driver. And it about, it about killed me because when he hit me, it pushed me into a five-car pileup. So... The doctors prescribed me some pain medicine, which I wasn't really an addict then. Like I said, I just smoked weed. So once I started taking the pills, they, they, I felt like you know, when one morning I woke up and I was like, I'm hurting. So I was like, I'm gonna take six of them and go to Starbucks and get some coffee. Well, once I done that. Man, I, I got home and my it, I just felt very, I felt whack, felt out of control. The next morning I woke up and tried to tape my, taper myself off of them, but it, it didn't work because I couldn't stand being sick. So about uh, six or seven months later, my doctor cut me off the pills. This is when I started to really realize that I was an addict. Is when he cut me off, I, I felt very sick. I was so sick, I couldn't get out of bed. Thought I had the flu. And then I turned to the streets. And once I turned to the streets and started getting involved in that life, I started getting hooked on harder stuff. And then I ran into somebody that was like well we'll pay you in drugs if you'll traffic some drugs so here i am in the car on the way to texas getting high doing my thing and i started to really really realize i was an addict um but before before that i thought i was a functioning addict I really didn't know what an addict was. I really didn't know because, like I said, I was very young. Didn't told myself I would never be strung out there, but here I was, strung out there. So once I got introduced to the hard stuff, I <coughs> went down a, a very dark road. I got clean off the hard stuff for a little bit. Started becoming a decent member of society. 
I uh, had a pressure washing business. I had a nice family and all that. And then I got into a very bad four-wheeler wreck and ended up having to get life blighted and went back down the same cycle of the road I went down. So here I am, got strung right back out after being clean for a little bit of time. Not really clean. I wouldn't say clean because I smoke weed and stuff like that. But once I, I went back down that road, I done lost everything. Lost my my house. Uh, well, not really lost my house, but I lost my business because I started selling everything to support my habit. Um, going down a very dark road that I didn't want to go down. And then my addict self thought it would be okay to start stealing. So I started stealing. I got a hold of one of my old boss's checkbooks and wrote about $10,000 worth of bad checks. Well, they were good checks, but in my case, they were bad. And once he found out, I was almost about a day or two away from going to the federal penitentiary. But something in himself told him, because he seen the good in me, because I was a very good guy. I mean, I, I, was, I wasn't that bad of a person, but I, I hid my addiction very well. Like, you, if you would have seen me out there on the streets, you would have never known I was an addict. You would have you talked to me. You would, you would just never know I was an addict. But deep down, I was an addict. So... After all that, me and him had a conversation. He told me, he said, Hunter, you get yourself clean. I won't press no charges. So I was like, man, this is a wake-up call from hell right here. Like, finally going to get my life back together. Nobody ever gave me that chance. I, I got all my charges, and nobody ever said, man, here you go. You were blessed there. Yeah, I was, I was very blessed because the person I'd done it to, he could have. he had me, I was about to do, 12 years in the federal penitentiary. But after me and him talking and me explaining to him, like, what road I was down and and all this, um, he uh, told me, like he said, like I said, he told me I got clean and I wouldn't, he wouldn't press charges. So here I am about, Maybe a day of starting my recovery cycle on my own. And I very strongly suggest once you get hooked on some hard stuff, do not try to do it alone. Some people say you can do it, but not me because and it's it's hard out there for an addict. Um and you wouldn't you don't really understand what an addict goes through on the daily if you've never been an addict. Um, that's why it, it, it's crazy to think that I put myself in that position because so long I was telling myself that I was never going to get that far out there probably like any other addict would. And, uh, once I got myself out there, there was no reeling me back. I was already too far gone. Right. And that's what I, I tell people all the time. I say, that's the thing about it. Once we get sober. If we, as long as we don't let that chemical hit the receptors, we're okay. 
But the second it does, we're off and running. There's no stopping us. So here I am, a day of getting clean. And about the third day of throwing up, shitting myself, couldn't get out of bed, feeling like I have the flu times 10, I started, like, in my head was like, okay, I'm going to find a treatment center. I'm going to try to find treatment. Well, that didn't work because every treatment center I called either didn't have a bed or told me I had to detox on my own. And here I am, three or four days of not doing nothing. And I'm sitting there on the phone explaining to them, like, I'm almost a week clean. Like, I haven't done nothing. Like, how much more do you need? And and I just, and I, I felt like I didn't have nobody to help me. I didn't feel like I had nobody listening to me. Let me ask you a question. And you, so, if I was always like this. If I got sober, and it had been a day, you should trust me now. Everything yeah. should be good now. I've had a day sobriety. We should be all right. I'll, I'll get to that point in a minute there, <laughs> Dane. But about every time I'd call somebody, so here I am, like, nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to listen to me. There's no treatment center out here that's going to take me. So I decided I was going to get high again. So here I am, off to the races again, running straight to the street, getting my DOC, and doing it. Well, let me tell you what, that was the worst mistake of my life because I figured I'm only a week clean, I can do what I used to do. No, ended up overdosing. I overdosed at 11 o'clock that night and didn't start coming to till about 6.30 on life support. Um, my chest was so bruised and swollen from where they had to shock me. I felt so felt hopeless, I felt powerlessness, I felt like something I never wanted to feel again, and I never want to feel that feeling of being being so broken and hopeless again, so I stayed in the ICU for a week, about my fourth day, a lady came in and was like, hey, she's so-and-so, and I'm here to help you get help. Well, here in my brain, like, I've done tried to call all these other treatment centers. What, what What's going to make you so different? I don't need help. I got this under control. So in my in my head, like, when she said that, it just it sent me on an outrage. It sent me worse. I was so mad. And I was so, I was so down on myself for the position I'm in. So once she said... You know, I can get you help. And she sat down and explained me her story. It was so crazy, but here I am deciding, okay, should I get help or should I shouldn't get help? The addict side of my brain was like, no, you don't need help. Just go back home. You'll be fine. The other part of my brain was like, you need help, you junkie. So I, I took the offer and I got help. Well, she was like, I need you to go straight there. Don't go home. Don't bypass a gas station. Don't go do what you do. Go straight there. So the first thing I did was I called my stepdad, and I told him, hey, I need you to pick me up. I need you to take me to 
to a treatment center in Clarksville, Tennessee. So he said, all right. He was like, I'm on the way. So when they discharged me from the hospital, I, I was so emotionally broke that I cried all the way to Clarksville because I was so beat because I, I – like I said, I've always told myself that I would never get down that road. I was, I thought I was okay. I thought I was a really, I thought I was literally a functioning addict out there because I had everything. I had the house. I had the cars. I had all this stuff that you see in these music videos, but that's a video. That's not real life. It took me that time to realize that. So when I made it to the treatment center, I walked in and nothing but hospital socks on. Broken, disgusted, talked to the counselor and got all that. Um, But in my head, in my addict self, I was like, hell, I'm going to a rehab. I can still find drugs out there. Yeah, why not take me to rehab? So once I got to the treatment center and I and I seen how everything was and I got took down to the house, I realized my roommates was not about that life no more. They've done had 30 days clean. They were trying to change their lives over. So I got there that night and I couldn't really sleep because I was still dope sick. I really didn't start getting my my thinking back until about 30 days, I would say. I was still kind of in that pink, pink cloud, they would call it. I really didn't start getting, like, my clarity back until, like, maybe 40 days, 50 days. And once I, I realized that, because I was only going to stay in treatment for 30 days, once I realized about my 30th, 40th day, my mind was telling me I'm good. I can go home. I can hang around the same people, the same places, the same things. I started getting scared. Like I scared myself because I thought it was okay for me to go home and still get high again. Because I'm still real early in recovery. I'm only like 40 days clean. I thought I was okay with that. Something told me to go down and talk to the site manager and ask if I can stay my full 90. I went down there and explained to her that I was scared, that I was having these thoughts. And she was like, well, Hunter, you know this is a 90-day program, don't you? And I was like, oh, hell, okay. That's, even, that's better. So about my 70th day, I got introduced to the peer program. And what that is is you you basically holding everybody accountable. I've, I've been doing right. I've been doing everything I was supposed to do. Uh, you basically help the office out. You're basically almost an employee without being the employee title. And, and that's what I did for 10 months. Uh, now, the same hospital I walked in in hospital socks on, I work for that treatment center now. I'm a case manager. All because I started to apply a few steps in my life. I started applying a few things in my life like willingly, open mindedness, and honesty. 
and not just honest with people around me, but truly honest with myself, it took a lot of work to get to where I'm at today. And I could I have to give it to the treatment center I went to. I had to give it to to everybody that that helped me. I had to give it give it to pretty much everybody. I have to give it to all the staff that's in the treatment that's that's at the treatment center I went to because if it wasn't for them being confident in me uh showing me love support, I would have never made it this year um the hardest things I've went through since being in recovery and really at an early recovery about sixty days I found out that Three of my friends died of overdoses, two to mental health, and a granddad. And that's the hardest thing I had to deal with. And it about took me back out until I seen an H&I guy. And that stands for hospitals and institutions. They go to rehabs that can't get out to outside meetings. They go to the jails. They talk. And... I was listening to a guy's story, and, and this is this is what made me start my recovery. This is really what made me start to do what I started to do and started applying stuff in my life. Well, I was listening to the H&I guy speak, and he told my story out of his mouth. Like, his story matched my story so much that it made me start listening. It made me realize, like, if it ain't named after me, and somebody else has done it. And it and it made me it made me realize and it made me think so much. Like I see these guys in the in here with the sparkle in their eyes, they're laughing, they're smiling, and I'm over here down and out. I'm over here grieving. I'm over here with all the shame and guilt. And the one thing that stuck out to me was he said. If anybody's going through anything, give yourself a break. You have to be able to give yourself a break. Because if you sit there and let that stuff eat you alive, you're going to go right back out. It's no doubt about that. So I started to give myself a break. I started applying some stuff in my life. I listen to the suggestions. The suggestions are 90 and 90. That means 90 meetings, 90 days. And it takes a season to change. So now that I've been clean a year now, I've done blew my 90 and 90 out of the water. Like I go to a meeting seven days a week. And if I'm not at a meeting, I'm doing something to help another recovering addict. I'm... Always got my phone open to anybody that wants to call, anybody that wants to talk to me, anybody. Because I can only give what I can give away. That's it. When, when, it, when you was in treatment, when did you decide that you was going to work in treatment? Did they approach you with it, or did you already, did you already think about it? When I got introduced to the peer program, that made me realize because... I got to help other addicts. Like, I was like, like I was telling you, Thane, I was basically staff but wasn't staff. So I got to 
be involved with all the other clients. I got to help them. Got to listen to them. I got to share my story to each client. Right. And I felt like I got my point across to them. And it felt good when they, all the clients were coming up to me saying, Hunter, you're doing so good. Hunter, you're doing so well. And and about, I would say about my 150 days clean, I realized this is my calling. I realized this is what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I feel like I, I have the urge to help people. And that's what I want to do. Also, it helps you stay sober. It helps me. It helps me stay clean. I get to stay in the circle every day. Right. Um. Do you think you're going to stay at the treatment center you work at now, or are you going to try to go somewhere else? I'm going to stay here as long as they let me. I'm going to stay here until they kick me out and roll me down the hill, because I have to give it all to the treatment center I'm at. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be the person I am today. God, also, and and God. God, that's the thing, and everybody knows I'm not shy about saying that. It's all about God. We can we can go and work any program we want to work. We can go spend $2 million at a treatment center if we want to. But if we don't put God first and completely surrender to him, I've, I've told others how that word surrender came to me when I was going to visit. Um, I see Miss Beth there when I was in prison, and um, the word surrender kept coming up. I kept telling her that, this word surrender, this word surrender. It just took me. Uh, you know, a few more years to uh, finally understand what the word surrender meant. Does any is any of your family uh, addicts, or are you the only one? No, my family is alcoholics. Okay. Um, they they get prescribed pain pills, and that was one of my my biggest problem right there is because my parents and all my family used to sell me pills, and then they they were talking like. My addict self, I didn't realize my family talked to each other, but they talked, and they found out how much I was getting and how much I was buying, and they cut me off. I, I run to the world right there. I uh, I shared something with Hunter a while ago. I had never told it, but uh, when I was 17, I was getting high with my mother, uh, which was you know kind of a hard thing uh, to get over as you, when you become a grown man because in treatment centers and stuff, they want they try to dig in you and figure out what's the underlying cause. And it was like, you know, my mother's passed away. So it was always one of them deals where I felt like they were trying to make me uh, shame my mother or fault her. And it was, I was always, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, that's, that's pretty deep right there, man. Yeah, you know is. what I mean? And I was shooting dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I saw, I saw somebody shoot my mother up, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why in the fuck? I wanted to try it. Yeah. Still to this day, I can't figure out. I said that the other day, you know, we sit around, we see somebody junked out on dope and decide, hey, man, I want to get me some of that. Mm-hmm. That has to tell you it's something stronger than us that's doing that. Yep. My addict self, whenever I would hear somebody OD, I was like, that's the dope I want right there. Who'd you get it from? Where'd you get it? How can I get it? And today, now, my thinking today is so weird because now when I come across somebody that that has dope, I don't even want to be around it. I don't even want it in my hand. I don't want to even have it nowhere around me. Right. Um, right. But it's you become. I saw a shirt. I think I don't remember where I saw that, but it had fuck fentanyl on it. Yeah. I think we all ought to get them made. Yeah. I mean, for real, because 
the fentanyl is, is what it is, and there's something stronger coming. Uh, we've talked about the xylazine on here before, but there's there's something that's even stronger coming. Yeah. But as far as that, now I'll get to my life now. My life has turned upside down. It went from being unmanageable to manageable. Now I can go out to eat without sneaking off to the bathroom and stealing a spoon from a restaurant and then just walking out. Um, now I can go to the store and buy a pair of shoes if I want. Um, now I have... Speaking my language there on the shoe deal, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Now I have a relationship with my, my daughter again because in my active addiction, I never done dope around her. But she heard me in the bathroom doing some stuff I shouldn't do. I'm just saying it's sinus medicine. But she knew. Um, but now I've done made amends to her. I've done made amends to her mom. And her mom's married now with two kids. And now I have her back on my team. It is big. Um. I've done made amends to the guy I stole the check from. Now he's offering me a job whenever I'm ready to come back home. And it's all because of this program. It's all because the stuff I started applying in my life. At, at, uh, and I'm not just saying it took me a year to make these amends. I'm not saying you can come in one day clean and or 30 days clean at that and say, oh, shit, I'm clean now. I'm sober. It, it really takes, you really have to put in the work in order to stay clean. And and a non-addict would never realize like half the stuff we've gone through or half the stuff we've been through or half the stuff we even think. Like the other day I had a conversation with a non-addict and they looked at me so fucking weird and walked away. Um, But at the end of the day, I had to share what I needed to share. Because today I'm not scared to like I used to be. Today I I have a purpose in life. I got my morals back. I got my self-respect back. Today, now I can, I used to bypass the mirror and go outside to use the bathroom. Now I can go stand in the bathroom every morning and tell myself how grateful I am to be alive. And I tell myself three things I'm grateful for every morning. And what I'm going to do for my recovery. Because the, being a year clean sounds all like, dang, he did it. He's over that hump. No. The first year of recovery is the hardest. The first year of recovery, it's not for the weak. And it's not for the wicked. I promise you that. I've been through a lot of things that I wish I never had. Um. I wish that things could have been different in my life. But hey, I chose that road. I didn't become an addict overnight. I could have quit doing the things I used to do the first time I ever done it. But hey, I didn't. I wanted more. But today, man, my life is so much better. Today, I have I have to do something for my recovery every day. And it's just if it's talking to somebody, it's getting up making my bed, getting up brushing my teeth. It's the smallest things that I can do for myself 
um, like I told y'all, I work at the treatment center I went to um, that I walked in in hospital socks on. I joined H&I that I was telling y'all about, hospitals and institutions. I go to treatment centers all around Clarksville and get to share the message, get to give some experience, strength, and hope. And that's what this is all about. And that's this, what we're doing now. And this, we're doing the same exact thing. Yeah, and, and this is for my recovery. I, I mean, for H&I, I don't get paid for it, but it goes in my recovery bank. Um. I chair meetings at at one of the biggest meetings in Clarksville, Tennessee at Solutions. If y'all don't have if y'all are around Tennessee area, come on out Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday at six o'clock, seven thirty and six o'clock on Saturday and ten o'clock at night on Saturday. So there's no reason for for somebody out there to, to be hurting and struggling. Um but it, it it took me a long time to get where I'm at today. It got me a long it took me a long time to to turn into the person I am today. Uh but I couldn't do it without Narcotic Anonymous or the treatment center I went to. Um I give it all to Narcotic Anonymous and the treatment center I went to. Uh uh Today is just better, man. Like I said, the first year of recovery, I think, personally, and what I've heard is the hardest. Um, but I'm not going to stop not going to meetings. I have to, like I said, I have to maintain my recovery every day. Tell them how important that is for the rest of your life. How important is that? Going to a meeting will save your life. And it's not just going to the meeting and and hanging out or going to the meeting and just sitting there all all sad. It's very important to find a meeting. The first day. First day you start getting clean is very important. Because that's where you'll go in in your fellowship. Man, when I first came into recovery, I wondered how the hell can these rooms keep me clean? How the hell can these steps keep me clean? Until I stopped resisting and I started to become a part of. And when I started to become a part of, my life started becoming manageable again. Um, like I said before, I, I go to H&I every Wednesday, Saturday, and almost every Sunday. I go to every meeting seven days a week. So when you go to these meetings, and here's some suggestions. When you go to these meetings, you raise your hand, you introduce yourself, you tell them if you got out of a treatment center or if you haven't, or if you're just new to the area. Um, you do 90 and 90, you mean 90 days. Like I've said before, it's season to change. You can't just change overnight. Um, you, you go, and I know in Clarksville we have five home groups. And you go to each group, at each meeting, and you find where you where you fit in. You find the vibe. Heck, even if you like the coffee there, make that your home group, guys. It's very important. Um, you gotta stay away from the people, the places, the things. And the biggest one of all, the most absolutely 
crucial suggestion I have is find a sponsor. Find somebody you can relate with. Find somebody you vibe with. I'm not saying go to a meeting and you see the first guy and ask him to be your sponsor. You go to all these meetings and you just listen to what they share and and what they have. And 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 that's who you make your sponsor. Like I'm not I'm not going to lie to y'all. When I first got into in the recovery I found a sponsor and about 3 weeks into him being my sponsor, he had he had 10 years clean and he went back out. And that made me so devastated. But also it made me realize that we're all one one thought away from a relapse. It don't matter if you're a year clean. It don't matter if you got 40 years clean. We're all one bad decision away from a relapse. Man, and, that's, uh, that's the thing. You know, for me, every time I would try to get sober, I used to think I could figure out a way to do it. If I just do this, I'll be okay. If I just do this, I'll be okay. When we talk about triggers, I'm not, I, I believe in triggers like for childhood trauma, people have stuff like that, but as an addict, and a trigger can be that door right there. So I, I don't believe in them is what I say because we can make them anything. I do know there are triggers for people that can traumatize things like that. But for, as an addict, I can make your headphones there. I can make what happened earlier. I, oh, man, yeah. show didn't go right. I got to get high now. That's the only way I'm going to fix that. You that's, know, and, it's, and that's what we do. And that, that's that stinking thinking that they talk about because you are one bad decision away. And if you don't work that program, if you don't have a sponsor who's strong, stays on your ass, you're going to get high again. Going to. And, that, and that's a good point, Dane. You want to find somebody that's going to hold you accountable. You want to find somebody that you feel comfortable calling. And not just one time, because most people you ask to be your sponsor, they're going to say, call me for two weeks straight. Heck, when I when I got my, spo- my sponsor I have now, I went to a meeting, and I was like, hey, man, I've been meaning to call you. And he was like, well, have you ate today? Like, yeah. He said, did you use the bathroom today? Yeah. Them excuses are very running strong, son. So he told me that he would be my sponsor. And he said, call me for a week straight. So you know what I did? Because I was very strong in recovery. And I want to stay clean today. As soon as I got home that night after that 8 o'clock meeting, I called him. I said, hey, man, I just wanted to call you just to show you I wasn't bullshitting you. And he said, well, call me tomorrow. I kept calling him. And now uh, I went over his house this evening and did step work. Went over my step work with him. Now... Now that I've I've have a, a community that that's behind me, and it and it's not for the wrong reasons, a community that's gonna help me, and th- and this is where the fellowship comes in. When you go to the meetings, you find where you vibe at, you find where they're giving the hugs at, you find where, where like I said, even if you like the coffee there, you make that your home group, and when you don't feel like going. Get your ass to that meeting. When you don't feel like sharing, you share. Because 
how can and there's a few things that I've learned in recovery. Mental health is huge in recovery. Because out there in my active addiction, I was using drugs to cover up pain. I was covering up every little thing about myself. Hold on, let me interrupt you a second. Hey, Oz, man. I'm hitting the invite, man. I don't know if you was accidentally trying to call in, but I hit it both times. I'm not sure if it's not working or what happened there, buddy. I forgot where I was at. But, but now, today, my life has came, as like I've told y'all before, it's came, it was unmanageable, now it's manageable. I'm a decent member of society. I'm somebody you can call, you can lean on, I can give you advice. Um, I love the life I live today. I love what I do. I feel like this is my calling. I feel like this is what I was what I was meant to do was help other people. And that's what helps me in my recovery so much is when I'm sitting up at the office and I see a newcomer come in. And I see they have the same look on their face, the same broken down beating. Uh they feel defeated. I can relate with that because it wasn't even a year ago I walked through the same doors the same way. And then a month later, seeing the sparkle in their eyes, the smile on their face, that's what helps me in my recovery today. Um, mental health, very huge in recovery. I suggest anybody that's going through through some things to to find help. Seek out some help. There's all kinds of different places you can go to to get a therapist. Um, when I first came into recovery, I had a lot of shame and guilt from all the stuff I'd done in the past. And I got a therapist, and I still talk to that therapist today. And she's got like 15 years clean. And she's sitting here asking me for advice now. Um, yeah, somebody wants to ask you a question. What's up? I would relate to you. Come on, uh, come on, Miss Tina. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. First of all, I just want to tell you, Hunter, thank you for, for doing this um, for you and for other people. It, it means a lot. I work in, um, in addiction and um, it's my passion now. And um, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. My question now for you is I work with a lot of people and I'm real big on um, 12-step programs. I've been around them since I was 16, um, and that's been 36 years now. And um, I go to Al-Anon, but I've been around AA and NA for a long time. But I have a lot of people that say they don't um, feel like that's right for them. And I tell them to try different groups because sometimes they don't mesh with certain groups. And I wondered how you felt about about that, if you had any advice on that. And then my next thing was, you're talking about mental health, which I love because the co-occurring disorder is, is huge. Um, it can be mental health starts first and then the addiction develops or you, you know, have the addiction and then mental health issues develop from that. And um, not to stereotype, but there is a stigma for a lot of men and they don't want to admit that they have 
you know, there's mental health issues, there's depression, whatever it is, there's anxiety. Um, how do you feel about about those two things? Can you talk about that? On this is how I look at you can't help everybody. Some people take stuff differently. Some people even recover different. Um, if the twelve step is not for them, you can't force it on somebody. It's just like you can't you can only take the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. Um, maybe maybe later on in their recovery they would hit rock bottom and, and they might find that it might help them. But some things you just you can't help everybody with. Mental health, yes. I strongly suggest anybody and every addict to have somebody they can talk to. Because when I used to grow up, I used to not, I was not able to show my emotions. I couldn't show my fears. I couldn't, as a man, I was not allowed to show them emotions. So I had a bunch of stuff bundled up that I couldn't let out. And it's very important to find somebody that you, just like a sponsor, it's very important to find a therapist you vibe with. It's very important to find somebody that, that you can trust and that you can just go in there and lay everything out on the table and they not look at you funny. Or they give you that, that eye of like, dang, he's really fucked up. But you have to find somebody you trust and you have to find somebody that, and you have to be willing to go in there and talk to them about it. Without being willing or open-minded to the concept, and, and surrender, you have to be able to surrender to everything. In order to start your recovery, you have to be able to surrender and realize that you're an addict and and that you're always going to be an addict. That's what I, and that's what I, I, I didn't do, um, is that the surrender thing. I said it a while ago. Beth, Beth can... Tell everybody I'm telling the truth. You know, I was going to visit one morning in prison. And as soon as I went in there, I said, this word surrender, I may have been going back. I don't remember, but it's one of them. Um, and I could never figure out what that was. And for me, it's hitting your knees and completely surrendering to God and telling him, here I am. Do with me what you're going to do. Uh, I'm all yours. I'm, I'm walking whatever uh, steps you want to walk. Uh, anybody else got any more questions for uh, Hunter? No, I just wanted to say thank you, though. Um, Hunter, thank you for for answering that for me too. Beth said thank you for answering that. Um, yeah, I got one for him. Okay, go ahead, Nick. Well, maybe it's for both of you. I'm not familiar with the AAs or any of those programs, but can you have more than one sponsor? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, as far as the AA thing, I don't really, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a, I'm a drug addict. So when I went to a couple AA meetings one time and when I stood up and said I was an addict, they shut my ass down. They told me I couldn't talk about drugs. So I felt like that wasn't my calling, but yeah, you can have more than one sponsor if you want. To me, honestly, I would want to try to find the guy that you vibe with, you stick with. And, and just have one sponsor because it's kind of hard to keep up with, with two things. Is anybody else having a problem hearing? Red Wolf uh, said he can't hear anything. I'm good. I'm good. You're I'm good? good. 
Uh, it must be on your end, uh, Red Wolf. Uh, everybody else in. Everybody else hear you just fine? Okay, Shorty says she can hear you just fine. I want to touch on something on mental health just a minute. Um, I went to bed one night, and I woke up the next morning, and I was a completely different man. Um, I uh, run my wife off. I've done all these things, and I went into where you would have thought that I was back on drugs because every sign was there. I lost weight. Um, I did everything that I wouldn't. I quit eating. I wouldn't come out of my bedroom. I could go on and on. And it on was and very on. indicative of um, meth use. Yes, and it's what it was. They said it was leftover effects from it, but I ended up having to get on medication and all that. So if you have anything like that going on, happening to you, don't be ashamed uh, because I'm also one of those people who was taught not to show emotions, not to show no weaknesses. It's a very hard thing to do when you have to become vulnerable like that and you're sitting there talking to somebody. But the main thing, no matter who you reach out to, you can reach out to us and we'll lead you the way. Um, I put my emails on all these on these shows. Everybody knows. and um, Reach out. There's a better way. Uh, I said in the beginning of mine, I said that if I ever became suicidal, it was going to be over with because I know me and I, and I knew I'd kill myself. And uh, people on here don't know, I did make a couple attempts. Um, luckily, uh, but to answer your question, yes, you can have more than one sponsor, but then again, that's a lot to keep up with, uh, because you have to keep up with two people. I can barely keep up with a pair of shoes I got. <laughs> so for me, I, I stick to one sponsor. Um, and, and say that you get a sponsor that you really are not vibing with or you thought they were different at the beginning and started to be different in the end, you can always find a different sponsor. Uh, you can always let, just explain to that sponsor that, that you don't need, need their services no more and they, they won't hurt. Um, but it's very important to go to these meetings and get, get a number list, get a name list and get a number list. Because that's where you're going to start your foundation. That's where you're going to start your recovery at. And you'll be very surprised of how many people will recognize you when you don't even recognize them. Like, for example, I've been going to all these meetings for a year now, and I didn't really think nobody knew my name because I really didn't know nobody else's name besides, like, a, a handful of people I knew that I talked with. And I walked in, and this lady was like, hey, Hunter, you know my name? She caught me off guard, and I was like, I can't, I've known her, I've seen her, I've talked to her, but she caught me off guard with that. And now, every time I go to that meeting, she's like, hey, you know my name now? <laughs> or she'll find her way over to see me and give me a hug. And, and that's the best part about it is going in for the free hugs. In my active addiction, I was never a hugger. But today, I love to hug. Today, I, like I've said, I, I walk a different life now. Um, I went home for Thanksgiving after being clean for 11 months. I was scared to death. So scared that I almost didn't go home. But I made myself. And, and you best believe I had my sponsor on speed dial. Um, but I had a plan. 
I had I had it set in motion that I had my sister that was never an addict before pick me up. I stayed at her house. And I went to my family's house. And like I told y'all before, my family's an alcoholic. And they, they used to sell me things they shouldn't have sold me. But they respect me now. Because they see the way I'm talking. They see the way I'm walking. And and they were trying to hide their drinking from me. And it's like, and I was sitting over there laughing. And they were like, what are you laughing about? And I was like, because y'all are sitting over here sipping, walking back to the back bedroom and drinking. Drinking's not my DOC, guys. Now, if you would have put my DOC out in front of me, I probably wouldn't be sitting here sharing this podcast tonight. See, but, I'm different. I have both. I uh, I was in Texas. I was on the run when I was young, and uh, I was had been taking pills, of course. And I quit taking pills and started drinking. And I instantly became an alcoholic. Uh, I got so bad I had to take a take a couple shots of tequila in the morning and just go to work. Uh, I'd be shaking so bad, um, and all that. Uh, we're about forty nine minutes in. We're probably gonna go about ten more minutes. Uh, we're gonna call it an hour. Uh, I think the hour shows are good and long enough. Um, I want to touch on something. Everybody who's been following me and listening to me, uh, y'all have heard me say that me and my wife is in a separation where we've decided that we're going to make this thing work. Uh, it's me. It's not her. You know, she's been through a lot. She deserves all the praise. Um, man, you know, how she how she's done it and how she stuck around, how she's still here, I, I really truly don't know. And I'm not just saying it because she's here. God. No one's ever heard God. me say one, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no one's ever heard me say one bad word about her. I thunder her praises all the time because – you know, it is her. You know, I said in one show, I talked about the love thing. I didn't believe in it. And she showed me how real it was. I thought it was a fairy tale. Um, but I didn't understand because I knew my parents loved each other. I mean, my grandparents, not my parents, my grandparents. Um, I want to thank everybody, too, for coming by, stopping by, and having your input. And um, anybody got any questions or anything you want to say, you can call in if you want to. You're more than welcome, or you can put it in the chat. And, um, uh, it's awesome to see y'all turn out, man. You know, ever since I've been doing this thing, it's just a week now. Uh, actually, it's less than a week. I've done my first live show last Monday, and y'all have been awesome. The support everybody's given us, and we appreciate it. And uh, we're, uh, I want to let everybody know also is that, yes, you did, Shorty, and I sure appreciate that. Uh, me and Beth's going to do a show um, coming up. I don't know what day yet, so we're going to – it's going to be for everybody here. I want them to hear the other side of it when someone loves an addict. And how hard that is, uh, it's probably going to be a pretty emotional thing uh, because, you know, today Beth works in treatment and, and she's in school to get her um, degree in alcohol and counseling. Master. Uh, master, excuse me. I'm sorry, her master's. Um, uh, because she saw and it's hard. And a lot of relationships don't survive that. And because it's not, the, it's, it's us, it's the addict ourselves because of what we do. It's not about cheating and stuff like that. It's just all the other shit, the lying, the stealing, the, you know, you can't trust us. And uh, and then the worrying about you dying. You know, that's that's something I don't think a lot of people think about either. You know, uh, she used to call me to stay on the phone with me when I'd shoot dope just to make sure I made it through the shot. And, um, I mean, just imagine how hard that must be. And uh, I did that yeah. shit for a long time. I put her through that. And uh, she's an angel just to be here now. Um, Without her, you know, I wouldn't be here. You know, um, when I was going through my mental stuff, uh, that was different. And I know how how tough that is. 
and how strange that is. That's a strange place to be in your head, and I get it. I promise you, you don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. You don't know what's a lie. You don't know what's the truth. You try to figure it out, and it causes all these different things. Just reach out. Please reach out. If you just want to reach out to us at danegentrypodcast.com, not danegentry, is it without an S, danegentrypodcast at gmail.com. Um, I don't have Discord anymore. I took that off. But you can reach me at the email, and I promise you I'll get back to you, and we'll give you. She's got so many resources for anybody, um, and she can help you. She's got. She's a walking knowledge of, of resources for anybody, no matter what you're going through, whether it's mental health or the drug addiction. Um, or starting a business or whatever you want to do. Um, I'm in your court to help any way I can, seriously. And I do have a lot of resources. And can I just say one thing about mental health when you were talking about it? Um, I'm going to anyway. The last time you pick up a drug and you survive it, um, it can take 14 months or longer to get your brain back to a normal state. Um, and I didn't know what was going on with him at the time. It was, like I said, very indicative of meth use. Um, I had no idea, but you go into a psychosis and it can lead to schizophrenia. Um, it's, it's, it's very real. So, um, but if anybody that you know or that you, you come in contact with, um, they don't seem right. Just, it, it does, it takes a long time from the, the time you stop using a drug to get your brain back to normal and getting that mental health help is so, so imperative. It's so important. Um, and there are a ton of places that I can get people into. If you do not have, um, insurance that it doesn't cost anything. And the only thing I want to say to anybody that's out there struggling with anything, it don't have to be addiction. It don't have to be mental health. But if you're struggling with anything, give yourself a break. You have to be able to give yourself a break and start doing the next right thing. Once you start doing the next right thing, that shame and guilt will come off of you. I promise you it will. Um, like I said, the being a year clean to the, uh, Wednesday will, will be the most hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Cause I never thought I would make it this long, but if a addict like myself can get clean, anybody can get clean. Um, like Dane was saying, if anybody needs to talk or anything like that, Please reach out to somebody. It don't matter if it's your neighbor. If you see somebody that's down and out and not having a good day at your workplace or in your house, grab them up. Talk to them. Hug them. Because you don't know what, what somebody's going through. You don't know the demons they're facing every day of their life. And all they want to do is be heard. Thank y'all, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Hunter. But just remember to give yourself a break. You have to be able to give yourself a break. And, and 
You have to surrender. You can't control everything. And the most important thing I've learned about being in recovery is staying in today. Because I can't control what happened yesterday. I can't control what happens tomorrow or the next year. I can only control today. And I can only do the next right thing today. Yes. So if anybody's out there struggling with anything, just remember, give yourself a break. Reach out. Call the 1-800-CRISIS. Just reach out to somebody. Because that's the worst thing I hate seeing is somebody struggling when I know they could get some help out here. Um, don't do what I did and, and wait till you, till you end up in the hospital bed. There is somebody out there that will help you. You just have to find that right person. And and like I said, you, you got to be able to trust and trust anybody. That's all I got. Thank you for letting me share. Hey, you thank know, man, you. I appreciate it. You're my first guest, man. You're going to go down in history. Yes, this show's sir. going places, buddy. And uh, everybody always remember him being the first one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Nick. Uh, you're a trooper, man. You're always here for me when I need you as my admin. I sure do appreciate all you do. Everybody else, I appreciate y'all coming, liking, sharing the show. Uh, we know we're doing something right here, man. Uh, our heart's in it. We're helping people. And I got a feeling we're going to help way more people than I could ever imagine. I always say if I can just help that one, but I got a feeling we're going to help way more than that one. Uh, there's so many people listening. There's so many people in these programs, just like Hunter. Y'all can hear it in his voice as well. You can hear his heart's in it. He's there. And that's what that's how you know someone's really doing the right thing when they really, truly care about the addict. And he does. Uh, I spent a little time with him getting to know him, and you can tell he does care, and there's many like him. God bless. Remember, we're not, we can't do anything, can't do any of this without God. This is all because of God that I'm doing this. It's him. It's not me. It's not Beth. It's not Hunter. It's not any of us. It's God. And uh, if you don't believe, why don't you give it a try? Just try it out. Just give it a week. Try out God for a week and then let me know how it goes. I think you'll be surprised at what may happen if you can truly surrender to him. Amen. Watch how fast it turns things around in your life. Uh, it's amazing. And for all you addicts, I remember Jesus Christ come. He was hanging out with people like us. That's the people he hung out with. He hung out with prostitutes and all these people that changed their life. And we all can do it too, man. We just got to let him let him do the work. You just do the footwork. He'll do the rest of the work. I love y'all. Dane Gentry Podcast at gmail.com. You can reach out. We'll get to you. Uh, I'll get to you as fast as I can. I'm pretty punctual because um, this is my life now. This is not just a hobby for us. This is, this is what we're doing the rest of our life. Me and Beth have had this plan. We didn't really know what direction it was going to take, um, but this direction is, is working now, and it's going to uh, get our names out there to where we help so many people. And with all y'all's help, we'll do that. I love y'all, and everybody have a good night. Thank you, sir.